Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this episode of Podcast Argyle Chat. Joining me, Jack Ball, today is our regular Chris Errington. Just can't get rid of you, Chris. You love this too much. Uh, it's one of the highlights of my week, Jack. Spending uh, a bit of time with you talking about uh, all things to do with Argyle. That's a good job because we're driving up to Peterborough on Friday, so you're going to be stuck with me again for a long time. Uh, yeah, chilly Peterborough. If... Uh... If you're thinking of going, any uh, Argyle fans, uh, wrap up warm. I've been keeping a check on the uh, the advanced weather forecast and uh, the southern soft in me is a bit worried that it looks uh, cold, sleet, blue just, light snow. I've just realised that this isn't, um, for those of you listening, we do mm. actually have a loose script, but this isn't <laughs> part of it. But this will be the first time you go into Peterborough this Friday since last year, which is when you and Barron took eight, nine, ten hours to get there. Yeah, the team took even longer, didn't they? That was the first game of last season was the trip to Peterborough United. And uh, yeah, it was a, a nightmare. There was a fuel spillage, if I remember rightly, on the M5 around Bristol. And mm. so everyone tried to head up the 303, which is never a good idea, past Stonehenge in August with all the tourists and holiday <laughs> yeah. makers and... Oh, it was an absolute nightmare trip. Rumour has it that that's a big part of the reason why Baron ended up leaving for Leeds. <laughs> yes. He couldn't be doing with being this far away from places uh, again. I, I'd had a few long trips uh, in my time covering Argyle, but it was definitely one of the top two or three worst ever. And, and Baron had never experienced anything like it. And uh, yeah, he's a lucky lad now because he loved, covers Leeds. So the furthest he has to travel most times, I think, is a couple of hours, isn't it? So. Uh, and we get to Bristol from here in that yeah, absolute distance. So um, anyway, get back to your script. Jack, so yeah, you've got a lovely, beautifully presented script in front of us today. So um, <laughs> you're giving our game. We're giving the game away now. <laughs> so first things first, we better talk about Wickham. Yes. Obviously, I wasn't there this weekend. I no. thought, do you know what? I'm going to leave all the glory to Chris for that game. Thank you. I had a weekend off, mm-hmm. but before we talk about the way in which the game was played, which I think mm. sort of overlooked the result almost mm. and dominated, just briefly explain the score, what happened, and sort of the impact of the result. Well, Argyle were on a great run, weren't they? Four successive wins. Uh, and if they could have gone to Wickham and, and kept that going, that would have really moved them into a very good position. Um, from early on in the game, it was clear that, that Wickham um, were fired up for the game with a better team in the first half. Uh, Adebayo Akinfenwa, we've talked about him on the podcast before. He's the bane of Argyle's life, isn't he? Um, you know, he gets abuse from the Argyle fans, but all he has to do is turn around and point to his goal-scoring record and, and the, the record that he has against Argyle. If he doesn't score, he's always involved in the thick of the action. He always plays well against Argyle. Argyle always struggle to contain him. You could probably say that for a lot of the teams that he plays against. Um, but he, to my mind, bossed the first half. And I, I was going to say, I remember saying after the, the uh, League 2 playoff final when mm. he played for FC Wimbledon, I remember saying that I would love Argyle to sign, to sign him because mm. he's just that type of striker that ties out and bullies defenders, isn't he? He, he just makes it so difficult for them. You know, centre-backs are, by nature, strong players. You know, physically strong. You have to be to be a centre-back. But, you know, it's very difficult to deal with Akinfenwa. He's, you know, I've said it before, he's a better player than people give him credit for. He's not just a big bloke mm. that can hold people off. He's got awareness, he's got touch, and um, he can score goals. And um, 
Anyway, the first half, I, I think Argyle were never really at the races, although Ruben Lemirez did hit the crossbar mm-hmm. just before half-time with a really good shot. And of course, if that goes in 1-1 at half-time, the respective managers' team talks are very different. Um, you know, Argyle made a better fist of it in the second half in terms of getting forward and uh, you know trying to play with a bit more uh, positivity and, and link-up play. But uh, as we can go on and discuss in a minute, you know the game became very stop-start, very scrappy, and they they really, to my mind, sort of got dragged into a game that they didn't need to play. And instead of trying to get the ball to Lemires and Carey and get them running at Wickham, it became a bit too direct. And um, yeah, it wasn't a great game. Um, and what about the ending? Did it sort of peter out, or did Argo put on the pressure later on? Or? No, you never really. Uh, they 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 puffed and puffed uh, is probably the best phrase. But they had one shot on target. They had, in addition to the shot from the mirrors that hit the crossbar, you know, uh, the keeper Ryan also didn't really have a lot to do. So no, there's a lot a lot of huff and puff in the second half, but not enough quality. And yes, you, we can talk about time wasting tactics and etc. etc. But, you know, Argo weren't good enough on the day. And I think, you know, Wickham deserved a win. And like I said, it is, is a time-wasting talk. It's mm. really dominated. You know, mm. Michelle Owen, who works for Sky Sports, mm. was there. And she yep. tweeted about it. And she got a load of abuse back after mm. tweeting that. But she made her opinions mm. clear on... Mainly when Argo play Wickham, one of the games that she's covered over mm. recent times. Um, but every team does time-waste mm. in some capacity. Yeah. Some are doing it because whether it's a player going down when they're not injured, some mm. make their ball boys take longer to throw the ball back. You know, remember the Leighton Orient game against Argyle, there was a, I can't remember which player it was, but... I think it was Liam Kelly, if I remember right. exception yeah. to a ball boy taking mm. time towards him when Leighton Orient mm. were coming back. But mm. Wickham are well known for it throughout football. It's not mm. just Argyle fans that say it. It's not no. just Argyle managers that say it. Is there justification for these comments? Are we, is, it, is it a fair brush for them to be tarnished with? Well, everyone time wastes, don't they? I mean, if Argyle are winning 1-0 away from home... Um, we go into stoppage time. I'm quite ha- happy for Freddie Ledapo to run the ball into the corner flag mm-hmm. and try and waste as much time as he possibly can. Um, everyone time wastes. Everyone looks for advantages in games and things like that. Um, so if you're going to criticise, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful that you know, you're not criticising from a position where you've been, uh, been doing something similar before. I think what makes Wickham a little bit different and... It is not just Argyle, it's other clubs that mention it as well, is that it is quite blatant at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll use the example of the um, injury to Wickham keeper Ryan Allsop in the second half. He went down injured. Um, now, the severity of the injury, I, I don't know, but he went down. Um, you know, some cynics would say that it was, you know, just to waste a bit of time as much as yeah. anything. Uh, two medical staff have come on. It's in the penalty area, near the goal line. Um, so when those medical staff have carried out their assessments, the obvious thing for them would have been just to walk off the back of the pitch, walk round behind the goal and back to the dugouts. No, the two medical staff walk off very slowly across the pitch, mm-hmm. as in taking longer. And it, it, was, it took a while before the referee um, asked them to then go off the side of the pitch. And it's, it's just little things like that that make it a bit more blatant than you see what most most teams time waste but I think Wickham do tend to take it to extremes at times and when we're talking before the podcast you mentioned mm. something even before the game even started with the goalkeeping situation there was a goalkeeping uh, the goalkeepers warming up Reese Wilmot and Carl Leveran and the ground staff 
some of the ground staff came on and asked them to move from the from the main goal to the side goal where they could warm up but the same didn't happen at the Wickham end and they carried on using the main goal and uh, so the sort of tactics started it, very early on and, and let's be honest you know Argyle and, and Wickham do play mind games they, they they do get under each other's skins I mean in fairness Derek Adams went up to Adams Park one one season a couple of seasons ago and the kickoff was delayed for several minutes because he was complaining about the, the GPS yes, I remember um, uh, units that the Wickham players were playing uh, and you know you could argue well that's quite a common thing to happen so you know why make an issue of it then sort of thing so there's uh, there was a pop-up sprinkler at home park that uh, was stuck up or not quite um, flushed to the ground and Wickham sort of uh, pointed that out um, in, in the game at home park so there's always something going on when these two teams meet and the danger is is that you don't want it to sound as though it's sour grapes yeah um, because you've been beaten because in fairness Wickham you know generally do quite well against Argyle um, but I think the examples we've just talked about, you know, particularly the medical staff and bits and pieces, you know, it, it, they do take it to extremes, and um, it's not just our goal. Other no. clubs complain about it as well. So I think I think with fans though, talking about time wasting in general, fans mm. hate it when it's happening to their team, but they yeah. love it when their team's doing it to opposition. So you've got to be careful, like yeah, you said. You've got to be careful. Yeah. But again, it's down to the referee to stop some of these incidents. Like like goalkeepers, I, for the life of me, I do not understand why a goalkeeper doesn't get one chance yeah. and then he's booked straight away. Mm. That, for me, is an obvious solution. I don't get why referees... And I know you're not a referee, but no. I'm sure you would agree well, with me. Well, I mean, the Argyle, the Argyle fans got to the stage in the second half on Saturday when they were shouting out the time. Mm. One, two, three, four. Yeah. While Allsop was holding the ball to make the point to the referee. Um, you know, that there was some, some time-wasting going on. Um, yeah, you, you you've got to be careful that you you're not trying to trying to be holier than now, and we never, you know, cheat time waste gamesmanship whatever. Yeah. Um, but there are obvious moments where referees there, can't take but action. But there are obvious moments, and and that's an example. Yeah. You know. Well, like you said, well, I know the, the on Saturday it was the goalkeeper that was injured. It was the mm. physios that were taking time, mm. so there's limited you can do mm. there. But if a player's near a touchline and he an outfield player, and he has to yeah. go off. If he doesn't go off to the nearest touchline, you can mm. book him. There are ways mm. to stop it from happening, and I don't mm. think referees, personally, are doing the best. What I would say, though, mm. is there an argument mm. that where Wickham are on the table, they're now mm. ninth, eight mm. points better off than Argyle, and have mm. played one game less, mm. that it's working, and all Gareth Ainsworth should be worried about is what's working for his team, and they've just been promoted from League 2 in the ninth. They're doing, they're, they're, they're doing really well, and they haven't got huge resources. Um, you, yes, you can definitely say that, you know, there is an argument to say that um, that what they're doing is working. I mean, talking to some people up there, like they before the game, they felt that Wickham were were not quite as you know um, as they had been in League Two, in League One, that there was more football being played, and um, we didn't see too much evidence of that on on Saturday. But you know, it is a results business. Um, people will do what they feel is best to get the results. And you can't argue with ninth place and, and 41 points. Argyle would have known, Derek Adams would have known what sort of game that that was probably likely to turn out to be. And, and sometimes you have to find a way of dealing with that, you know, and um, Argyle didn't find the way of dealing with it on Saturday. So so what would you say? I mean, again, I know it's not your job, I know you're not the manager, but what, what could Argyle do differently? Is, is it just not getting sucked into those You've got to not get sucked. So what you've got to do is make sure that you don't concede the first goal. Because when Wickham are behind... 
they can't you know do the time wasting and the spoiling and things like that so that gets the, the game in your control to a degree um and you've just and it's easier said than done mm. of course it is but don't get frustrated by it don't get caught up in the emotion don't get caught up in the pushing and shoving and the f- comments that will be flying around on the pitch keep your focus what's the game plan the game plan is to get our attacking creative players on the ball the ball at their feet running at their defenders not as we saw in the first half where Argyle were defending too deep because they were worried about Akin Fenwa mm-hmm. and then the ball was being launched forward to, in the direction of Freddie Ladapo which isn't really his strength you know if you're going to do that you'd probably be better off with Ryan Taylor up front so um, you know start the game well against Wickham don't concede for how often have Argyle played against Wickham in the last five years yeah. and been 1-0 down in 20-30 minutes I mean it all used to be Paul Hayes every game we played he'd, he'd score in the first few minutes you know in the playoff semi-finals yeah. and everything so um, well, I remember the, the playoff semi-final at Adams Park I missed yeah. the first goal because the coach broke down and we were running yeah. down the road yeah. and our goal already won them down I think two or three minutes in you know so get the first goal and, uh, yeah. and, and deal with it but um, yeah well, the last, the last mm. point we'll make on, mm. on this topic is Gareth Ainsworth said after the game that he respects every mm. opponent and I reiterate the fact that this is just, you're just giving your view, so yeah. you know, and that's all it is. But would you say his tactics are respectful of his opponents? He's doing what he feels he needs to get results. Um, are they respectful of um, tactics? Well, one person's respect is another person's um, disrespect, disrespect yeah. isn't it? Um, like I say, if, if Argyle get the first goal in that game or they get the equaliser before half time, it's a totally different game. Um, you can point fingers at the opposition and the manager and the opposition players and, and whatever if you want, but I think ultimately you've got to take responsibility for yourself and, and your own team and your own performance as a player and uh, concentrate on that mm. and uh, not get worked up about what the opposition are doing. And it does feel like the Wickham get under Argyle's skin and that then is not conducive to the to the players and the team putting in a good performance so I think you know the next time Argyle play Wickham they need to stick to the game plan luckily for all of us it's not, it's not it won't be too soon well yeah hopefully I mean the way the way Wickham are going they'll definitely be in League 1 next yeah. season uh, and so hopefully Argyle will be um, so yeah it might not be you know we could be going up to Adams Park in August Jack First what, game of the season. And what I would say, just finally on this topic, is you know, it, on a bit of a smaller scale, it's a bit like the Bielsa thing, isn't it? When mm. it's not directly breaking the rules, and it's an no. idea, you know, it's an idea of gamesmanship and, and, mm. and things like that. And for me, it's down to the referees and the authorities to sort of clamp down on this type of thing. Yeah. And, and whilst it's within the boundaries, you're going to get some managers and teams that do. Well, that. our colleague Stu um, did a piece on that, didn't he, at the weekend in the aftermath of the game, and saying that you know the authorities and the referees need to deal with it yeah. because. You know, opposition managers and, and, and the media can say whatever they like about it, but unless the authorities and referees take action, you know, you, you can't blame. In sports and in football in particular, people are always going to push the, the, the limits, the boundaries, aren't they? Yeah. They're going to try and get as much advantage as they can. Um, all those little percentages and little little tricks of the trade that you you can't blame people for trying to trying to do that. And when it's your team that's doing it. You know, you almost accept it, don't you? But um, for the good of the game, mm. without getting into the debate about the beautiful game, but for the good of the game, the authorities and the referees need to make sure that the rules and the uh, you know the respect that should be shown is shown. Yeah, definitely. Well, briefly talking about mm. the the game, reflecting on the game just gone and the game coming up. Mm. 
Would you imagine that a shake-up is now needed for the Peterborough game or because of the way the game against Wickham was played, it should almost be written off as mm. a one-off and the team that, you know, let's not forget, guided our goal to four straight victories before that, should they get a chance again at, at Peterborough? It's, it's a good point, isn't it? Um, and I, I asked Derek Adams that after the game on Saturday, but, um, you know, he was frustrated about what had unfolded and, and didn't really, uh, we didn't really go down that path too much. My my opinion is, is that, you know they they played pretty well for four straight games. Mm. Um, Peterborough aren't going to play like Wickham did, um, so I'd be, I think I would probably stick with the same starting lineup. In all honesty, uh, like an anomaly the Wickham game. Yeah, is the way it's played. You know, it? it's going to be a different game at Peterborough. You would imagine Peterborough have got some very talented players um, on the ball. Um, I can't see it getting into a a scrappy stop stop start sort of type game. So I think it would suit um, Carey and Lemires. I, I do wonder, you know, I, I don't know the fitness of, of Oscar Threlkelden. You know, he's not played since he came back to the club. Um, but it would be interesting. Uh, you, you'd be having a debate about, is it time for him to get some game time? Um, you know, David Fox and Yang Tonga have done, done fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think David Fox had a great game on Saturday, but it wasn't really his sort of game. It was a bit, you know, direct and scrappy and, and what have you. And I thought the game before that against Coventry, he did well. But, you know, there's maybe a case for, for Threlkel coming in for Songo or or Fox and, uh, you know, maybe giving Argyle a little bit more sort of athleticism in that area of the pitch um, in terms of, you know, getting around, making tackles, yeah. you know, getting forward a bit. Um, so that's one thing you might look at. But um, wouldn't be surprised to see Derek have a stick. Would it, you know, to hmm. almost change the team because of one game out of five, where yeah. you, that same team has done yeah. so well. It, it, it seems un Adams like it would be, you, and and you throw in that one one draw at Burton before that run off, you know. It's, so it's what one defeat in six, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you you, uh, you don't want to make too many instant judgments on an away game against Wickham. I think so. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same starting lineup on Saturday. But if there was a change, you think Frelkham would be? Uh, I, I think he must be getting close, yeah. mustn't he? He must yeah. be. You know, he's he's been at the club now for a few weeks. I'm sure they'd have been working on his fitness. I think as far as I know, he's played one Central League game and that's about it. So he's, he's going to need to get some game time somewhere. If he's if he's not starting games, he, he must surely be in the equation to, yeah. to be playing as a substitute. Well, the biggest news going into the Peterborough game mm. before any transfers happen mm. is the fact that Steve Evans is now gone. He yeah. was dismissed on Saturday night after a 0-0 draw against Charlton, which mm. really on the grand scheme wasn't a bad result. Mm. But Darren Ferguson is back. Mm. Um both managers have a history of Derek Adams. You know, you've yeah. recently we've had Gareth Ainsworth, we had Chris Powell before yes, that. I know. We're on a right sort of running out of managers that don't have some sort of history <laughs> of Adams, but these two both have. Yeah. Will this change in manager affect Argos' preparation, do you think? Will they look more into what Ferguson was like as a manager? Can they. What do you yeah. think? Well, I think, I think Peterborough are likely to play a slightly different style to the way they have been playing under Steve Evans. Um, from what I've seen, they've sort of they've had a central striker a bit like Argyle, and then had the likes of Marcus Madison and Sariki Dembele and people like that playing playing off him. So Ferguson might um, switch things tactically, but you know, as you've mentioned, Jack Derek Adams knows Darren Ferguson, you know, very well as 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 well. Um, he, he knows Steve Evans well, so I don't imagine there'll be too many surprises in terms of style of play and things like that for the for for Derek Adams coming up against Ferguson. It's a fascinating twist to the tail because you know Peterborough won 5-1 at home park in August and, yeah. and could have won by more that day in all honesty they were 
miles better than Argyle. But PC Argyle had a lot of chances that game, which is they, they, did, they did, but you know, in, in the end, Peterborough had stacks of chances yeah. as well with Jason Cummins and Matt Godden up front. Um, yes, you know, there was history between uh, Derek Adams and Steve Evans. Um, you know, Derek Adams and, and uh, Darren Ferguson, as we've mentioned before in the podcast, grew up as kids together up in Scotland. Their dads um, up at Aberdeen, Sir Alex is the manager, and, and George is, is a sort of youth um, coach and things like that, George Adams. So um, there's, there's a lot of history there. They, they, you, you can tell they're, they're both winners. They don't like losing. There's been a few comments after games, you know, Argyle and Doncaster games when Darren Ferguson was there. I was about to say, I think the last time I saw Darren was when he was saying about shooting referees. Yes. And that didn't go down too well, did it? <laughs> well, that was after the Argyle game when he felt that Sonny Bradley should have been penalised for a penalty late on in the game, wasn't it? Mm. Um, see, that was in January, Jack. That's a year ago when we went up to Doncaster that game. It all goes into one blast for me. I can't tell what season it just goes so It just goes so quick. So, yeah, plenty of history. Fascinating story. I mean, the one line I did see was that, that Darren Ferguson apparently said that he'd got a phone call on the Friday from the Peterborough chairman saying, if I was to make a change of manager, would you be interested? And then at six o'clock on Saturday, he got the call to say, you know, are, are you interested sort of thing? So, I'll um, tell you what, I bet Derek Adams wished <laughs> Evans could be sacked after Argyle played him because uh, both of their egos, that would have been an interesting mm. tale, wouldn't it? But, they're, they're, you know, Steve Evans, Darren Ferguson, Derek Adams are all fiercely competitive um, Scottish managers who aren't afraid to ruffle feathers They've got very strong opinions, very strong beliefs. So um, they're, they're, they're all interesting characters in their own rights, that's for sure. And I mean, you're quite right. They've got some great players mm. in their team to choose from. You know, yeah. A lot of which mm. would probably easily get into Argyle's team if they had yeah. similar finances. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Argyle also have a history of Marcus Madison, back mm. from when Sonny Bradley played for Argyle. Mm. So there's a lot of mini stories going into the game, which again, you don't want Argyle to get too distracted by any of that really. No. But you mentioned that Argyle were beaten heavily on the two sides last met at home yeah. park. But do you think Argyle are better now than they were then? Well, if you take out the Wickham game, you know, they've got Carey, Lemires and, and Sarsavik playing well, or, like, you know, before Saturday, um, which at the start of the season, they just couldn't find a formation yeah. at all or a system or a combination that would work. Um, you know, they're far from being the finished product, but, you know, any time that Carey, Lemires and Sarsavik are playing well... Then uh, you know Argyle are gonna have a chance. They none of those three players um, had any attacking threat really at Wickham. Uh, hopefully against Peterborough, where you'd expect they'll have a lot of the, the a lot of the ball that Argyle can try and uh, you know play on the break, um, get the ball into the mirrors and Carey and um, and see what they can uh, what they can do. But uh, you would you would think that Peterborough are gonna. It's going to be their first game with Darren Ferguson back at the club. I think it's his third spell, if I remember mm. rightly, at Peterborough. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what reaction he gets, what kind of start they make to the game. Important that Argyle don't concede early goals, don't let uh, Peterborough get into their stride and um, you know try and frustrate them. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, It's the sort of things that you need to do in an away game. And if you can, get a goal on the break, get yourself in front, and then um, you're in a good position then. That's the thing, you know, it's, it's Peterborough's home form that's really let them down this season, mm. you know, under Evans, and that was probably his, his undoing, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a surprise, isn't it? You know, they're sixth in the table, um, and for a manager to lose his job, but, you know, there are high expectations there. They've got a, a squad of good players, presumably on, on pretty expensive yeah. wages by League One standards, and, um, you know, obviously it was felt that, you know, they perhaps, I think the last 10 league games I looked, they've had two wins, four draws, and four defeats. 
Now, if that sort of form had carried on over the next 10 games, you know, they, they might even drop out of the playoffs. So, you know, maybe that was uh, one of the, the reasons behind the change. And he has a few days, doesn't he, folks? And if he can to make maybe a couple of signings. Yeah, I saw he said that he was talking about, you know, trying to get somebody in before the, before the window. So, yeah, we wouldn't be surprised to see Peterborough make an addition. So that's... Mm. I won't ask you for a prediction, Chris, because I know you don't like making predictions, as you say, all the time. So yeah. I'm not going to push it. I'll be nice to you today. Yeah. Um, so we'll finish with a brief chat about transfers. I know fans will want mm. to hear more about transfers. There's been mm. a link, no matter how tenuous, we, mm. there has been a link with a strike earlier on that's on our website. Mm. In terms of comings in, mm. it's pretty much the same story, isn't it? Derkhams are still working to bring two more players in. Yeah, uh, it's not always easy to find out masses of information on, on transfers from Derek Adams and the club, but... You know, as I understand it, you know that there's two players they would like to bring in on loan, and clubs are leaving it until quite late before they decide which players can go out on loan and to which club. And the players are concerned; then have got to decide which one of the options they've got. It's it feels like you know lots. I think uh, Thursday could be quite a busy day. I mean, you're you're going to be doing. We can talk about this in a minute. The live blog you're going to do on Thursday, but just from Hearing what Derek Adams has said, hearing comments of other managers, reading other comments, I think there is almost like a, a bit of a logjam. And I think, you know, there will come a point, and it might be Thursday, it might be before that, when you'll start seeing some sort of Premier League Championship clubs going out on loan, uh, players going out on loan. Yeah. And then I could see it being a real domino effect, and there could be a real flurry. I mean, I'm not sure there'll be masses of transfer fees paid or anything like that in League One, but I could see there being quite a lot of loan deals. So... As I understand it, you know, Argo want to make two more signings um, and there could well be a, a departure or two as well. And, and again, you know, it's, it'll be an interesting day because if it does go down to Thursday, mm. if you have got a player that's mm. the club's agreed, if he decides to go elsewhere, then you're in an even bigger rush to try and get someone in, aren't you? So it'll be fascinating. You've got to have two or three possibilities yeah. on the go so that if you don't get one, you, you can still get somebody it's a else. It's juggling act, isn't it? It is. It's, 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 it can't be easy. But you mentioned it's, their outgoings. Mm. The one... Link that has been mentioned that you mm. believe is, is is very likely mm. is Peter Grant with a move to Carlisle, mm-hmm. but to me that indicates that Adams must be close to signing a defender centre back. You would think so, wouldn't you? You know, you wouldn't be letting one of your four regular out and out centre backs leave if you didn't have mm. um, somebody else pretty close to being lined up. Um, you know, centre back is a position that Argyle definitely needed to strengthen in the transfer window. They haven't done that as yet. So you, you make the reasonable assumption that if Peter Grant is going to go out, that they will bring in another centre-back um, on loan, I would strongly suspect, and then uh, compete with Ryan Edwards, Niall Canavan and Scott Wooten to be the two centre-backs. Um, as far as Peter Grant's concerned, you know, it's, it's always felt as though he's been the fourth choice of, of the centre-backs. He's, he's not yeah. had much game time. Um, Carlisle are managed by his former Falkirk manager, Stephen Presley. Uh, their left-sided centre-back needs a knee operation um, he's closer to his home in Scotland it all seems to fit in and um, you know I think some, some people up in Carlisle think that it's, it's quite likely as well so uh, watch your space on that one but it seems a, a, a possibility and um, you know um, there's a possibility of one or two others maybe going out on loan Lionel Lanesworth for example I say, well, you know we've, we've talked about it before but he, he did have a trial with Livingston uh, before Christmas um, that didn't lead to anything for him but you would think that um, there might well be something for him to, to move on to pastures new as well 
Um, so and, and then there's likes of you know Dyson who's not getting much football and the youngsters like Cooper they're all available yeah. as well aren't they yeah I mean we've not not heard anything else um, about Michael Cooper and uh, you know whether he could go to a National League club or a League 2 club Callum Dyson just it's just not on the right it doesn't seem to be on the radar at all um, so nothing heard no whispers or, or talk about him so you know we'll but we'll know everything in two days, though. We will, and it's it's one of those things. It, it, all it takes is one phone call. You yeah, know? you know, a manager's got two or three targets lined up, and they all fall through, and then they think, "Well, what am I going to do now?" And they think, "Ah, right, I'll try so and so up Plymouth Argyle." And, yeah, um, that's the, one of the the beauties of the transfer deadline day from us that things can suddenly and for the fans things can suddenly come up from nowhere but if you're a manager it must be so difficult to well I mentioned before on the podcast mm. that Sunderland documentary for me yeah. was a fascinating visual mm. insight into how things can change because you mm. hear about it a little mm. bit managers don't often talk about mm. the workings of the day too specifically mm. but it's just fascinating to see it from that side yeah. actually seeing it unfold rather than just hearing about it you might think you're all set it. and you're all sorted yeah for something you've been working on yes. for days and days and days and days. And then half an hour later, you've, you've ripped up the paper yeah. and you've got to start again and the deadline's fast approaching. So, it, it, yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm not sure there'll be masses of activity at Home Park, but I think there could well be activity at Home Park on uh, at Home Park going in and out. And, um, yeah, so it'll be... Uh, so watch your space, isn't it? Definitely watch your space. But, I mean, you're going to be busy on Thursday, aren't you, Jack? Yeah. So. Well, f- well, thanks very much for joining us today, Chris. And mm. um, thanks to everyone that listened. Um, on Thursday, as Chris has touched on, we'll be live blogging Transfer Deadline Day. And it's like we said, it's looking like Argyle could well be involved quite heavily on that day. We'll be running the blog from 7am right up until 11pm um, in the evening when the deadline day shuts. I, m- I might even do a bit longer than that, depending on what's coming through. Um, also to bear in mind we'll be live on Facebook at midday on Thursday answering your questions so feel free to contact myself or Chris on Twitter or email us or comment on any of our stories at the bottom of the page um, and we'll try and answer those questions um, and then we'll be back next week for yet another podcast thanks for listening thanks for listening for all the latest Argonne news head to the Plymouth Live website <laughs>